All right, we're going to do updates, prayer, and then get into the word in that order. So updates. Um, we are starting a middle school night. Um, this will be on, now nah, I want to start all over. That's not the order. That's not the order I want to, I want to start it in. Um, let's start with Monday. So on Mondays, we have our high school open gyms. They are from six to nine. That is turning into our high school basketball league that will be on Tuesdays. That is also from six to nine. Then on Thursdays, we're having a middle school basketball league, and that will also be from six to nine. On Saturdays, we have an elite open gym that is from one to four. That turns into our young adults night that is from four to eight. And that young adults night is kind of the age of sixth grade to 10th grade. Um, that's from four to eight. And then that will lead into our midnight basketball league that is from eight until midnight. Um, obviously, we need volunteers for all of the above. So we got Monday nights, we got Tuesday nights, we got Thursday nights, and then we have all day Saturday. Um, every event is pretty much a Martin Center event except the four to eight uh, young adults night, which is Third Street. So we want all of our young men and young women to come out and uh, support with that. And then as well, we need as many volunteers as humanly possible. Now let's get into the prayer. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, we appreciate, we love, we thank you, Lord, just for being our father, for being there for us, for waking us up this morning. We ask that you deliver us from the desire of being honored, the desire of being praised, the desire of being approved, from the fear of being despised, the fear of being rebuked, the fear of being forgotten, the fear of being wrong, the fear of being set aside, the fear of being uncomfortable. We ask that you open our ears, that you open our eyes, that we are able to just hear and see the word that you have for us this morning. Hide me behind your cross so that only your words may be seen and heard. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I was listening to the refiner on the way to church today. And there were some lyrics that stood out to me when I was, when I was listening. And I shared them with Corey this morning. And I don't, I don't, the word bother is, is, is the wrong word. The, the lyrics didn't bother me. But they stood out to me. It, it, it made me think, and I'll go over some of the lyrics with you. It says, I want to be tried by fire. I want to burn for you. And then towards the end of the song, they just see, keep saying it over and over again. You know, I want to burn. It says, burn me beautiful. Burn me lovely. Burn me righteous. Burn me holy. Uh, my youngest son, Caleb, is just like my other two sons, Jeremy and Jordan. When they wake up, they go to the heater and they sit. If this is the heater, they sit right here. And it, whether it's on their phone or on YouTube, on their tablet, they want to be warm. But Jeremy learned very early that the closer you get to this thing, the hotter it is. And I want to say it was Jeremy. It might have been Jordan. One of the other. Uh, both of them were bad when they were, <laughs> when they were infants. One of them burned themselves. And from that point forward, they recognized that it's only so close that I want to be to this thing. Like, I only want to be so warm. I don't want to be so hot that I actually have to be burned. That's kind of my, my thought process when I look at these lyrics and it says, I want to be tried by fire. 
I want to burn for you. Burn me beautiful. Burn me lovely. Burn me righteous. Burn me holy. Corey used the, the, the when I was talking to him, he used the, he used the example of us putting our hand on something and it burning. And if we were doing that for Christ, like how long will we keep our hand on it before we would be like, and just jump back? How often have we sing, sung the lyrics, I want to be tried by fire, I want to burn for you, I, I want to be burned beautiful, I want to be burned lovely, I want to be burned righteous, I want to be burned holy. And as soon as God gives us something, we're like, I don't want to be that hot for you. I don't want to be that on fire for you that it becomes uncomfortable for me. As Christians, we want to be on fire for God, but not if we are burned in the process. So we're like my sons, we're, we're willing to get close enough to where we're comfortable, but not close enough to where it's too hot. Some things in our lives, some things in this world, some things in this country are just too hot for us to touch right now. And I don't think that that's what Jesus wants. We're at work and someone says something that's improper or something that they shouldn't say about another person or about a woman. And you're a man and you're like, yeah, I don't really want to get into that. So you just walk away. You're somewhere and somebody says something racist and with everything that's going on in the world, you're like, ah, I want to say something, but that's just, it's just too hot. It's too hot for me. Maybe it's not even that big of, of that big of a subject. But when we say the words, I want to be burned to the point that I'm righteous and that I'm holy. Are we really willing to go through what it takes? It could be something that's lukewarm and we'll jump off. Corey brings up volunteering. I bring up volunteering. I know some people hit that 15-second skip button. Like, can we get to... The choir sings a loop a couple times more than what you expected. And you're like, come on, Rev. Let me just, like, let me move all the way until I see Corey's face. But you're the refiner. Here's my life. I want to be consumed. I want to burn for you. Today's message it follows, it follows the message that we've been, we've been in, the God talk, the God talk, the God talk. We've been learning how to listen to God's voice, making God's voice heard. And Jesus said, he said, he said, if what I say don't resonate, if you're not feeling what I'm saying, if you don't agree with all the things that I say, then forget it. What about the things that I'm doing? If you don't, if you don't feel the words, then look at the work. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the work. We're in a new series. The, the new series is called The Hills. Corey and Rachel are just like, they, they just dope when it comes to like creating words for you to just like attach yourself to. As soon as he texted me and told me it was The Hills, I was like, tell me more. <laughs> and today's message is entitled The Hill He Died On, The Hill That Jesus Died On. Some of us maybe have, may have heard the words or, or the phrase rather. Is that a hill that you're willing to die on? Is that thing so important that you're willing to fight for it? That you're willing to put your reputation on the line? That you're willing to lose your job? That you're willing to lose a friend? That you're willing to, to be uh, separated from your family that you've been with all of your life? Is that thing that important? 
I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when he was like, you know, all we're going to do is worship. And I'm sure someone said something to the extent of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are you sure that that is the hill that you're willing to die on? Is, is prayer that serious? And it was for them, as we know. So it leads me to a question that I asked myself when preparing. What are you willing to die for? What are you willing to fight for? What are, you feel, what are you willing to not have anyone at your job like you for? To be in the lunchroom by yourself? To walk around campus and no one like you? What are you willing to, to, to go to your, your family reunion and have people bat their eyes at you for? What's so important to you that you're willing to put your reputation on the line? What I want to accomplish at the end of this message is I want to make sure that I show that our Father wants us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, right? What was he willing to die for? What did he stand up for? What did he fight for? What did he speak up against? And is it our responsibility to do those exact same things? First point, first point, first point. God calls us to fight like Jesus fought. Because of that, the hills that we die on, the experiences that we go through, they're going to look like Jesus' experience. I think sometimes we get uncomfortable in the response that we get, and it makes us do one of those things right there. But I think if we really looked at the word, we'd see that the responses that they give us is the same responses that they gave Jesus. Go with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And what I want us to know is that there's nothing wrong with going through what Jesus went through. While you're going to Mark chapter 8, I'm going to tell you about a, a movie. It's probably the first time I've ever used this movie in a sermon. And it's a movie called Friday After Next. And there's a character named Day-Day in the movie, played by Mike Epps. And there's a, a character named Craig in the movie, played by Ice Cube. And they're, they're, they're at their job, and, and, and Molly is there. Molly is the person who owns the complex. And Molly's like, you got to be willing to fight with your life for this, <laughs> this security job that they have. And Day-Day's response was, and I'll die for this too. And, like, all throughout the movie, Day-Day was trying to explain to Craig, like, we ain't just normal security guards. And Craig is like, dude, this ain't NYPD blue. This ain't none of that stuff you watch. And he was like, we something like him. The whole movie is he's trying to tell Craig, like, I'm willing to die for this job. And Craig is like, dude, you're an idiot. This is not a job that you put your life on the line for. We're just trying to get money for rent. That's kind of the response that Jesus got when he told the disciples that he was willing to die. That's going to be the response that you get from your friends and your loved ones when you tell them, like, this is a hill that I'm willing to die for. This is something I'm willing to fight for. And you see it in Mark chapter 8. I know when I said Friday after next, Rev was like, there's no way he can spin this into Mark chapter 8. And I did it. 
It says, the son of man must suffer. He must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. He's going to be rejected by the chief priests. He's going to be rejected by the teachers of the law. He must be killed, and in three days he will rise again. And it says he spoke plainly about this. What that means to me is he didn't just say this. Another version says he was open about the way that he spoke to them. He went into details. He explained to them exactly what was going to happen and why it was going to happen. We would be wrong, in my opinion, if we believed that the disciples at this point didn't understand why Jesus was here, what Jesus was trying to accomplish. He was around them. He was with them all the time. So at this point, Peter knew the deal. He knew what Jesus was fighting for. We, we're, we're, we're past him, 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 him healing the, the mute and healing the deaf. We're, we're past him uh, bringing the young lady back to life. We're, we're past the Seraphonician woman and her faith. We're, we're past so many different things that happen. We're past the, the racism. We're past the prejudice. Like, we're past John the Baptist being beheaded. There's so many different things that Peter and the rest of the disciples have seen by this point when Jesus tells them that he must die. And this was Peter's response. The Bible says, Peter took him aside. You know, he, he, he kind of like, okay, Jesus, come over here for a second. Let's, 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 let's chop it up for a second. The Bible says, he says, far be it from the truth that this is going to happen to you. But this is what I think Jesus heard. Yeah, Lord, women are being treated bad. But do you have to die for it? Yeah, there's racism. There's, 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 there's just prejudice. There's, 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 there's a lot of problems with the people that are poor. The women aren't being taken care of. The, the homeless aren't being taken care of. People are raping. People are doing all these different things. But do you have to die for it? Are you sure that this is a hill that you want to fight for? Is this the hill that you want to die for? on. Jesus' response to this, this rebuke was, get behind me, Satan. Peter is troubled by the fact that this is something that you would be willing to fight for and put your life on the line for. Are these issues just words to us? Is sin, is sin just another word to us? So much so that when someone else is going through something, when someone else is willing to fight for something, that we don't understand why they would be willing to do so. Then you get to Matthew chapter 26 and John chapter 18. We're a little bit further in the journey for, for, for Jesus and Peter. And Jesus comes forward in verse 5 of John chapter 18 and he says, Whom do you speak? Who are you looking for? He's speaking to the people who have come to arrest him. And they say, we're here for Jesus. And Jesus says, I am. Now, this don't really have anything to do with the message. I just love this verse. It's probably my favorite verse in the Bible. 
Jesus says, I am. And the people who have come to arrest him fall down and begin to worship him. Because him being the great I am, him using the words I am makes them fall down and worship. He literally has to get them up out of worship to remind them that they are there to arrest him. And then he says, you can arrest me, but let my followers go. He says this so the, the prophecy can be fulfilled that those who were with him could not be taken away from him. Those that were given to him could not be taken away from him. And then Peter pulls out the sword. He swipes, takes the right ear off of one of the people, and, and Jesus tells him, put your sword away. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And that brings me to my second point. Is there a sword in your life that Jesus is asking you to put away? Is there something that every time it gets hot, every time you jump back, rather than going in, you decide at this moment, I'm going to pull my sword out. I'm going to pull my bank account out. And I'll just throw money at this problem. I don't want to actually spend a whole lot of time with it. I don't want to actually get my hands dirty. I don't want to actually, you know, put myself in a situation to where it looks like I'm actually going to die on that hill. I'll just throw resources at it. Is your church home your sword? Do you just throw Third Street at your, at your problems? I know somebody from the church cares about it. Rachel will handle it. This sounds like one of those things that Corey is always talking about. I'm sure he's got a couple of guys that are, that, are, that are already at the church fighting on this. So I can just stay at the house. Rev brings this up every time that he prays. So I'm sure that the choir has a good thing going on. You know, I can really just stay where I'm at on Church Gather Online. I don't really actually have to step out of my doors and die on a hill for this. My church is handling it. My community is handling it. I'm good where I'm at. There was a guy that me and Corey um, had an opportunity to talk to recently. And he opened up about his experience with racism. He, he, he grew up around uh, racism. <laughs> and he himself wasn't racist, but he just got to a point where he was just tired of hearing about racism. And I get it. I turned on my TV one day, I got a Vizio, and I turned on my Vizio, and as soon as I turned it on, it was like Black Lives Matter. And I was like, wow, my TV wants me to know that it cares that I'm black. It wasn't like a commercial, it wasn't Hulu, it wasn't Netflix, it was just Vizio. Like, they did some type of update, and as soon as I turned it on, it was like Black Lives Matter. And I was like, wow, thank you, 42-inch TV, for letting me know that you care about my color. And if... I'm seeing it. I know everybody else is seeing it. It's everywhere. It's on Target commercials. It's, it's on Hulu. It's on Netflix. It's, it's everywhere. Everything that you turn on is talking about race and it's talking about our country and it's talking about all these different things. And he said he was just to a point where he was like, I'm not racist. Why do I have to keep hearing about this? He said he got to a point to where he was just pretty much fed up. And there was a lady who said something on YouTube and it just, it just I'm going to prove her wrong. She said research, so I'm going to do some research. And then when he really did the research, God started to break something inside of him. And he was able to see, like, this is what they've been fighting for. This is what they've been protesting for. This is what they've been angry about. 
Which leads me to my last point. The words that he used. Why do I? Go to Luke chapter 22. While you go to Luke chapter 22, I'm going to share you something. Share with you something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I got five kids. Um, all of them look like me to some extent. Um, a couple of them, you may say, looks like my wife, Candace. I would disagree, but, hey, you know, we're all entitled to our opinions. And not one time, and I mean it, I got 13-year-old twins, I got an 11-year-old daughter, I got a 7-year-old daughter, I got a 3-year-old son. I've never told my sons to love anyone. I mean this. Never. I've never had to tell my kids, if you see a dude in school and he's wearing a dress, love him anyways. If you see a woman in school and she's got a haircut like you and she's wearing boys' clothes, love her anyway. If you see two girls and they're in a relationship, if you see two boys and they're in a relationship, if you see a white guy or an Asian guy or, uh, like, if you see somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus, love them anyway. I've never had to tell that to my kids, ever. They just love people naturally. However, I do have five black kids, and I've had to tell my kids if someone does not love you because you're black, love them anyways. I have not ever had to tell them to love someone else, but I had to explain to them some people might not love you specifically because you don't look like them. That's what Jesus died for. Because I have to have that conversation with my children, that's what he was willing to go to the cross for. And you see it in Luke chapter 22. He's at the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> I had to uh, look at Corey because I said Gethsemane like six times and he didn't correct me. <laughs> and Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Gethsemane means oil press. This is the place that Jesus was pressed. And Mark, it says he fell in agony. And it made me ask the question, what would make Jesus fall in agony? What's agony? Agony is it's, it's an extreme mental and physical suffering. He was going through a suffering that was physical and mental. So much so that in between talking to the disciples, he literally fell in agony. The Bible says that he couldn't even get up without the, the angels coming down and strengthening him. And I questioned to myself while I was preparing, like, I know he was troubled by his death. But he had prophesied about his death over and over and over again. Right before this, he tells them that the, like, the things must be fulfilled. Like, he was ready to die. So why did he fall in agony? So I continued to search scriptures and I continued to try to figure out what had my Lord so troubled that he began to sweat tears of, I mean, sweat drops of that looked like blood that were heavy. And what, what was going on in his mind? What, what was troubling him so much mentally? Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin on our behalf in order that we could become righteous of God in him. 1 Peter 2 and 24 says that he had sin in him when he was on the tree. He had to be sin in order for us to have salvation. 
And that gets me to the last point of why do I? We're talking about a God that hated sin, abhorred sin. He was righteous. He was perfect in every way. He's seen that people were money changing in a temple and he took time out. <laughs> and like Corey likes to say, he, he, he went to the side and literally made a whip. And he was angry long enough that when he got done making a whip from scratch, he was still angry enough to go into the temple and whip the people out. That's how much he did not like sin. And for the first time in his life, he had to feel it. See, it's a difference between feeling sin and seeing sin. He's seen the sin. He's seen the racism. That's why he talked to us. That's why he talked to the woman at the well. That's why he talked to us about uh, the Good Samaritan. He knew what it felt like or he knew what it looked like for someone to hate someone. He knew what it looked like for, some, for someone to be mad at someone because of something that was stupid. Or he knew what it looked like for someone to, 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 to be uh, uh, coveted or, or be greedy or, or have a lustful uh, eye or whatever the case may be. But in this moment, in the Garden of Gethsemane, this was the moment where he started to take on the weight of our sins. He had to have the... The, the, the weight of the mind of the man that would actually raise his hand to his wife, to have the mind of a, of a person who would actually go forth and rape a child, he had to take on the mind of a person who would not like someone enough to, 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 to put them in slavery, specifically because of the color of their skin. He had to take on the weight of the mind of the person who would walk away from their child and never speak to them again. He had to take on the mind of a man that would tell a woman that she can't preach or she can't teach or she can't make the same amount of money specifically because she's a woman. He had to take on the mind of our sins and it held him so much down to the ground that he could not stand. He was in agony. And the man asked the question to Corey, why do I have to and the answer is simple, because Jesus did. He gave us a heritage. He adopted us. We said that we want to burn for him, but he died for us. He didn't talk about dying. He didn't talk about carrying the cross. He took it. He carried it to the point to where he could not walk anymore and he needed assistance. He took the 39 lashes. He took, he took the nails through his hands and through his feet. He took the ridicule. He took the spit to the face. He allowed for them to rip out his beard for us. And what does he want us to do in return? Follow in his footsteps. He's not asking us to die. He's asking for us to be willing to die to be willing to fight, to stand up and speak up in situations where other people wouldn't. He's not asking us to be like the world. We're not of the world. He's asking us to be like him. So what is our hope? The fact of the matter is we are Peter. We are the person who in the beginning says, hey, this isn't something that you should be dying for. This isn't something that I would die for. 
We are the person who pulls out our sword. We are the person who says, I don't want you to go, Lord. I don't want to go through this, Lord. Yes, it was Peter who said that you shouldn't die. Yes, it was Peter who pulled out his sword. But yes, it was Peter that Jesus looked out and said, you are the church. You are, you are who is going to build my church. And on top of that, you are going to die. And this is how it's going to happen. It's going to look just like my hill. It's okay that we have messed up. It's okay that we have said that we're not willing to die. It's okay that we talked other people out of being willing to die, being willing to fight, being willing to speak up, being willing to stand up. But just like Peter, Jesus has not turned his back on us. He didn't walk behind us and talk to the other disciples and say, KT is tripping. No, he stood with us. He's standing with us and he's waiting for us. And he's going to give us the assignment of dying for him. Not literally going up to the stake, but dying at work, not worrying about your reputation not worrying about what they're going to say, but worrying about what Jesus is going to say if we're not doing what he's asking us to do. He suffered for you. So you should do the same as he did. The Bible says he never sinned. He never told a lie. It says people insulted him. But he did not insult them back. It says he suffered, but he did not threaten anyone. It says, no, he let God take care of them. God is the one who judges righteously. This is where it goes, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish up. It says, Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross. He did this so that we would stop living for sin. But this is where, this is where the whole message goes. He died on the cross so that we would stop living for sin and that we would start living for what is right. That's where it's at right there. He died so that we would do the right thing when wrong things are happening. By his wounds, we are healed. So if you ever find yourself asking the question, well, why do I have to fight for that? Because he fought for that. Well, why do I have to speak up? Because he spoke up. He died so that we would not be silent. Bless up.